0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. Uh, I'm on the mic with Frank across from me. And I have to say this guest I am more excited about than any other, uh, mostly because I have talked about the show alone for multiple years, even when I was on uh, with the Gritty Bowman. And the first time I watched this where I thought this guy could actually live there forever was this last uh, show in the Arctic. Uh, where Jordan Jonas uh, won the show, and we have him on the podcast right now. So, Jordan, what's up?
1: Hey, well, (laughs) glad to be here, guys. Looking forward to the chat.
0: Yeah, I I watched it with my my wife, and we were picking who was going to win, and, like, not to pump your tires up, but, like, after about three days, I'm like, these people don't have a chance. Like, this dude is (laughs) never sad. Like, I... I (laughs) What's uh what what are the details of the show, so for people that don't know, yeah, haven't pr- seen it. Probably a good idea. Jordan, you wanna kinda of give the rundown of everything on the show that you can?
1: Uh oh uh, yeah, so it's basically just a show where they drop you and ten other people off, all in different areas so you're all alone and you self record so you, there's no cameraman around. They drop each of you off with ten items that you select off a list, so real basic things like a you know, I took like a recurve and an axe and Sleeping bag, stuff like that, and then uh, you get ten items. They drop you off, and basically, it's the last person to to give up. And they could go up to a year, hypothetically, if people last that long. So it, it's pretty open ended on how long it'll be. And yeah, it's pretty intense.
0: And you so. you, you were in the Arctic, which is the shittiest right. one I've seen. That looked horrible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it was right yeah, right up my alley. I felt <laughs> well, right at home. <laughs> so they, they no, it was
0: you you were the the Arctic sorry to interrupt, but just so people make sure there's been patagonia prince of Wales, where where have all the the shows been
1: uh, they've done three times they've gone to Vancouver island and then once they did Mongolia and once they did uh yeah Patagonia this most recent season that I was on was yes yeah, the Arctic great slave lake
2: what uh what time of, what time of year was it
1: uh it was uh uh like mid September started yeah, the,
0: the bad part because you were there in the moose rut and then right I I've been in the NWT which isn't too far as far as uh from where you're from and September is like our November and then uh-huh. I would say October is like our horrible months because it the winter comes quick
1: and oh it comes fast
0: yeah <laughs> how when, <laughs> now when you when you were watching, like, so I'm, I'm assuming you were probably like me watching the show thinking, good God, I could could do that, and then signed <laughs> up, or how'd that work? <laughs>
1: yeah, I think I watched the first two seasons, and of course, that's probably most people think that, but you just like, oh, man, you don't know all the details of, like, hunting regulations and stuff, but when you watch it, it's like, why aren't they hunting those bears, and what's going on? So then I, I signed up, but I kind of forgot that, I, you know, I was, like, kind of on a whim, I signed up sent him a link to my youtube videos of like living with nomads in siberia and then i basically forgot about it and it was it was like two or three years later they just called me out of the blue and said they wanted me on the show i had almost forgotten that you know i definitely had forgotten i signed up but i was like oh wow oh i guess so sure and that's kind of how that happened but yeah it was it was uh, kind of unexpected but i guess of course yeah got pretty real pretty fast but
0: <laughs> looking at it and, and i give my kind of perspective and then i you can obviously t- give it to your reality so uh-huh. i tell pretty much anybody that asks me that that show you have enough from the outside looking in to live a fairly decent life if you have a relatively high level of field craft or woodsmanship what uh, kills people is most are not used to being alone Frank I would say is a lot like you he is mentally equipped from birth to live alone like Frank likes being alone sounds like, like it so for, like, like this year Frank and I do a mule deer hunt and I'm like Frank do you want me to come over and whatever he's like no no I want to be my, my and maybe he's just tired
2: of me but you just prefer <laughs> being alone don't you Frank yeah I don't mind but I, I prefer to hunt alone for most, most of the time but Frank you can
0: go days without talking to anyone and you're okay yeah So, Jordan, I'm assuming you're the same way, and what I've told my wife and multiple other people is most, in my case now, I can go alone as long as I need to. I don't particularly like, oh, yay, I can't wait to not talk to anybody but squirrels, but I can (laughs) do it. If you ask most people on the planet today, especially in North America, when's the last time you were alone for more than 24 hours, it's basically no one, right? I mean, for the most part, unless you're a backpack hunter or a hiker or something. Right, right. That's what kills most people. And we laugh because we've watched. Of course, it's easy from the outside looking in. There was this big uh, black dude that was like, man, they're going to have to save the bear for me. And then he hit the button like the first day. And just, <laughs> he just wasn't used to it to where Frank and I are used to, and, and most real backpack hunters are used to that, solitude and animals and everything else. You mm-hmm. pretty much seem like you were born to go to the Arctic and win that because it sounds like you (laughs) like the cold and you're fine with being alone and your field craft is relatively high. Did you, Uh, was there any time where you're like, man, shit, I think I bit off more than I could chew? Or are you pretty good the whole time?
1: It's one of those things, you know, like I guess as you know, when you're out there, you're just, you're doing everything you can to increase the odds of succeeding, right? So it's not guaranteed. So I never felt like, no, I got this in the bag, and you never know what everybody else is doing. You always assume everyone else is killing it. So I was definitely, uh, yeah, I didn't know what to expect on that front, but I...
0: It's always easy from the outside looking in, like, watching, like, you know, so, for example, Moose, like, I'm like, it's the rut. right Like, call Moose in. Like, like I'm looking at it like, y- mm. you seem to have a pretty good handle on everything from the moment you got there. Was any of that, like... Were you, like, shit in your pants at any point in time, oh, or were you yeah. pretty solid You know, the I got to admit,
1: I, it, the way it played out, it, I really wasn't. Like, when I first got there, it had been, I'd, I just had, you know, a couple kids. So I'd been basically at home with the kids for the last couple of years, and so then I was, when when they, you know, when you're going out into a situation like that, it's pretty extreme, so you kind of like, man, I wonder how this is going to play out. But literally after I was there a few days, kind of right back in the zone of forest living, uh, so I... I felt pretty comfortable and had, you know, kept having pretty good success. Of course, my plan A and plan B kind of didn't work out. I figured I'd be able to catch a bunch of fish and put a big, put a big bait pile of fish and (laughs) try to hunt a bear. But I just didn't have any luck fishing, no luck, uh, baiting bear in or anything. So I basically, yeah, switched to moose and rabbits and had a lot of success so uh, interestingly enough like I never went a day out there without eating so I got a rabbit on day one with my bow and then on day two I caught him in some snares and then I put out tons of snares and kept eating rabbit until I got a moose on day 20 or so and once I had the moose you know you set. (laughs) definitely took those although I didn't feel that way because I just assumed somebody else got one so then I started thinking man now we're going to be here Six months or something and that's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be a long time how long did the, but,
2: did it end up going for
1: 77 days i was actually quite surprised i thought I, I thought it would go well man maybe that was just my mental me trying to trick myself but i swore to myself it'd go 120 or 140 days before i even had a chance of winning so i didn't even think about it ending sooner and uh I was very pleasantly surprised <laughs> at 77 days, but it is a long time. Like I definitely thought at times like, man, if I if I knew I was the last person on earth, I don't think it'd really be worth doing this, you know, but you know, <laughs> since you kind of know it's going to end, it's puts it in perspective. I'd spend, you know, I'd go to, I'd spent like a year, you go to Russia for a year and you know, I didn't know the language when I first went there. So I felt that was really isolating and it's for a, full year so it kind of put in perspective a few months of isolation (laughs) not to mention in Russia I had also spent some time you know like five week trip alone kind of in the wilderness it wasn't it wasn't necessarily new to me uh, the alone part but I can't you know I can't say the, the hardest part for me was literally all the things that never came to fruition I spent too much time worrying about Oh, what's it going to be like to miss six months of the kids' lives? Or what's it going to be like when I run out of this moose? And, and you know, you're not allowed to hunt more than one moose
2: or
1: anything. So I was, I was worried about all these things in the future that that never quite happened. Honestly, had I just focused on the present, I, I could have enjoyed the whole time pretty much. It was some of the most fun fishing I've ever had. and uh, It was, yeah, it
0: was pretty fun. It's funny. Um... Frank and I were in uh, Alaska, and I told you this before we hit record. We, were, uh-huh. anyway i i shot I shot a badger, or excuse me, a wolverine. And uh, when I, <laughs> I was like, I posted something like, I don't know how many people have done this, but it's pretty crazy. And multiple people were like, "That dude on alone did it." And lo and behold, obviously now, fast forward, you're on the show. But you did you did you clip it with the bow and then get it with the axe, or did you just yeah, dive I, in? Uh,
1: so, so the full story was, like, the night, I mean, this thing had been harassing me because I had a, a you know, a stash of moose meat out there, and he was coming every day. It looked like a herd of buffalo can- he would have come in. He just, at night, the amount of tracks he would tramp all around the place <laughs> this was pretty impressive. One night, I came out because I heard him. I'd set up these, like, early warning systems with cans and string, and uh, uh, I heard the cans clink. I went outside, and I saw him, like, tucked behind this bush, and I drew my bow back, and I could see his light, his eyes, with my headlamp, and waiting for him to come out. And then he kind of just vanished on me. I, was, I just lost track of his eyes and looked around, walked over to the bush, and he was gone. I was like, "What in the world?" And so the the next night, kind of the same repeat. He came running in, went behind a bush, and but this time I just didn't really wait for the perfect shot. I just sent a sent a shot through the twigs at him and. I think right at the end it deflected off the twigs and stuck them through the, la- the hind leg and uh, pinned them to the ground, Just probably just momentarily, but it was all happening so fast and I knew like that I had to act now, you know, like you're kind of in fight mode or whatever. So I just turned around and grabbed my axe and ran over there and he was still very much alive. You know, he'd just been <laughs> pinned through the leg. So he was like spinning around on the arrow, which had luckily been one end of it was stuck in the weeds and the other end was into the dirt and so he like kind of pinned and you know he like he was had spun around to like bite at his leg but then when i came up he turned and like jumped towards me but he couldn't jump of course and uh just saw him snarling i'll always have that picture in my head of his like teeth and <laughs> but i just swung with my axe and the first swing kind of disemboweled him because it was a bat, you know and i missed a little bit and then the and he kept jumping around, but then I just kept swinging and swinging, and all ended pretty fast. <laughs> I could hear the
0: swings on the show. I could hear whack, whack. I'm like, man, he's yeah, going yeah. to town on that
1: thing. <laughs> it was intense for sure. Uh, yeah, I, won't, I definitely won't forget that. I had some images grilled in my head, but I was uh, could have gone down differently, but fortunately <laughs> the arrow held just long enough. Yeah, they're mean little bastards. Oh, yeah, I was, I was impressed that uh, – yeah, he was a stubborn little guy out there. I can't believe how bold he was. I
0: hit mine 3 times and on the third arrow he bit it in half uh coming oh, after dang. me. So yeah, they're mean. I was like
1: oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's intense. That's crazy. So they're tough little guys.
0: When when you, when you were you know, when you were out there, you, you know, you get like you said a list of the 10 items and you can do like a net and a sleeping bag and a f- ferro rod which Mm -hmm. the one guy could not believe didn't bring a ferro rod when i was watching that i'm like man (laughs) you're out of your mind but when would you say like i mean to me other than just mentally being alone and people can't handle it and they bit off more than Mm -hmm. they could chew you you know food has got to be the the biggest crisis that you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis
1: yeah for sure like i definitely definitely for me that was my only concern because i knew mentally it wouldn't be an issue and i think for like so, when you watch a show, it seems like everybody's just cracking mentally, but really, you know, maybe half the people do, and then the people that try to last the longest probably would be fine mentally. They just don't have enough food, and so I knew I would be in that camp if I didn't provide. So I didn't have any concern about the cold or the or any of the mental game. It was just 100% focus on food. So I didn't build. I didn't spend a lot of time on my shelter. I didn't. I figured if you. If you have enough food, I knew I could survive out there because I've basically done it in Russia. So, it's, it's if you have enough food to give you the calories to be active and not be super bored and not to freeze, uh, it, it all comes back to food. So, all the items I chose were all things that I wanted to try to use to get more food. So, like the paracord, so I could make the fish net and the, yeah, of course, the bow and the fish hooks, all that kind of stuff. All my free time was spent trying to get food basically <laughs> set up hundreds of rabbit snares all over you know like put snares out everywhere and uh, yeah I know I'd read I'd read on Reddit of course before when I got on the show and you just get curious and you was reading on Reddit and most people were saying the best strategy is basically to put on a lot of weight and and just sit there cuz uh, and 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 burn your fat slower than everybody else and basically Starve out in the wind, which had kind of happened on previous seasons. So I don't know. I guess I just knew that wasn't an option for me and I knew that it was possible to live up there. So I just went for it. and
0: <laughs> Kind of looking at it, yeah. it just seemed to me, and this is totally, I have not been on the show, so it's probably wrong of me to assume, but if you know how to fish or trap or hunt, you're probably at a much, much greater advantage just for the simple, like I've been trapping since a kid and I've hunted since uh. I was a kid and I've fished and, and honestly done quite a bit of illegal shit when I was a kid, as far as, <laughs> you know, gill netting and right, everything right. else. So I, I'm looking right. at it like those lake trout are a, and, and pike are that's, that's a hell of a meal. You know, the, yeah. the only thing I like tool wise, there was a, a lady that had, well, she didn't have a hatchet and I felt horrible cause she was trying to cut a hole through the ice. And I'm yeah. like, she probably burnt twelve hundred calories to go three inches deep and couldn't fit yeah and and I was like, well, she's fucked
2: like <laughs> there's no like there's, once it
0: got that cold, there wasn't a lot of food left, so right no, yeah, you rigged up yeah. kind of explain what you rigged up because i I know Eskimos do that. you'd rigged up the double hole and then ran a log through um, but kind of explain yeah, what you so- did later.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, of course your options start to narrow as it gets deeper winter and the ice gets thicker and stuff. Of course, bears hibernate, every, you know, no longer the rut, so it just gets harder to hunt. And by then, all the foxes and wolverines and such that aren't necessarily allowed to be hunted, they, they're they on to you, so all your snares get picked clean before you get a chance to get the food out of them. So, yeah, I was shifting to ice fishing, and I, I made a fishing net out of paracord, which which like you and maybe it's been done before but I thought I wonder if this is the first time that's ever been done and especially if I catch a fishing it surely nobody else has done this but then uh, I uh, yeah wove a fish net out of the paracord inner strands and then I dropped it under the ice which yeah you chop two holes and then you get a stick that you can almost reach from one hole to the other so find a long stick sli- slide it in there and you tie one into your fishing net to the back of it and slide it under the ice and then go, you might have to pull it back and try a few times until it ends up grabbable through the second hole that you've cut and then you pull that stick through and pull your string through and then you can kind of run your fishing line like a uh, clothesline where you you pull the one end of it and it pulls it under the ice if you can picture that. Uh, just from sitting at one hole you can pull the end of your line and it'll your fishing net through under there how many fish and did you catch with that only one <laughs> it, was, it was like uh, i caught one once the ice came i caught most of my fish when it was still open water i caught 11 of those lake trout and then once the ice came i had the set lines all set up caught one fish on that and then i caught it was on the turned out to be the last day i was there i caught a huge pike in that net it was a. Uh, Twenty-something pound pike you know, Jesus. awesome. I was, I was super pumped. I was excited just because I, you know, spent all that time making that net, and I was like, man, I just really want to catch a big old fish in it. But I didn't. I also did. Uh, i had seen the natives in Siberia; they would cut out little shiny things, or well, they'd put little shiny things in their net. So I uh, hung a, a found had found a, a beer earlier in the, in the season on the shore. A beer, and I used a can to cut out little fish shapes and hung those in the net, shiny little shapes. And that's actually exactly where the pike struck the net. So and that proved to be a good method. And, that was uh, a
0: giant pike.
1: Uh, oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. I was genuinely pumped about that. That was, that was awesome. Uh, t- yeah. Talk a little bit
0: uh, about the, the moose. Like, it, you know, being again it's always easy from the tv like i'm watching and i'm like at least this guy had the brains to call right like you were (laughs)
1: because i
0: you know you can call those things in from a mile away right when they're horny they're they're coming and yeah you you had said like you know yep this this moose you know here he's at and you dude he rigged you rigged up trip line so you knew it was coming which was I didn't think of that so the first time it kicked your pop can trip line and you're like oh shit so but talk a little bit about that
1: well yeah so the full moose rundown was that one night I was sleeping and you know I had been out picking berries and calling moose basically every day I just sit there and eat berries and call them but then one night I was sleeping in the middle of the night and I heard a moose marching by on the rocks like
2: just like oh crap
1: but you're like all zipped up in your sleeping bag and i didn't want to i was like well i'm probably better off just letting it not know that i'm here so much so i just stayed in my sleeping bag and was like i'm gonna deal with that in the morning i went out in the morning and followed its tracks and stuff and then i just realized man there's a good chance if it doesn't walk across those rocks that i won't even hear it if it comes by and i'm not and I'm either sleeping or in my shelter or something. So I, yeah, rigged up some paracord little inner strands onto some cans and I set them on some rocks. Uh, hopefully, in a way, I was thinking it would just clank the rocks or the cans off the rock and make a little clank, but not too much of one because I didn't want the moose to get scared. But funnily enough, it, it worked brilliantly, uh, even better than I could hope because uh, I was one morning just like just waking up and i just hear clank clank i was like oh crap i jumped up ran out there and sure enough this I, so my little location was on a sort of an island peninsula and it was connected to the mainland by this big mud flat and the moose had walked by on the on the mainland side and hit those cans and then came running out to my island and then turned around and looked back at the cans in the direction and so when i came out i was basically had his back to me, but I had a pretty much a broadside shot. It was a it per, it was so perfect I couldn't believe it. But the only problem being is I could only get so close because then it was the mud flat and he was out in the mud flat so I couldn't actually get any closer than I was. And then uh and I and because it was a mud flat, you know obviously as well as I do the bow hunting, it's pretty hard to judge distance once you get in the those type of areas especially with no trees around nothing to judge distance by and i shot and i misjudged the distance quite badly for one it was the biggest moose i've ever seen so it just seemed like it was closer than it was And <laughs> so when i shot it dropped the arrow between its legs i was like no and i in the in the chaos i had grabbed my camera and my bow and an arrow but i hadn't grabbed my like uh quiver so i only had one arrow it's like so i'm such an idiot and then uh Anyway, the moose ran off, and I paced it off, and sure enough, I would guessed he was at, like, a little over 30 yards, and he was at 43 yards. I was way off on my range estimation, but it was tough in that mud flat. And then I followed him kind of slowly where he went, and then kind of as I followed his trail, I realized that uh, the all, there were several moose trails in in this, like, three or 400-yard gap between these two kind of hills. And I figured, you know, it's going to be pretty tough to get right on one here, but if I build a funnel fence, I can funnel them all into one path and then I'll basically know where all the moose are coming from if they come from that direction. So so I started building this fence, basically, and fenced that 300 yards and funneled it all into one path. And I put a, I modified my little can set up to where the cans were on a rock, but the the I weakened the paracord so that as the slightest clink would, it would break and not scare the moose. And, uh, then I would be out, you know, I was in that general vicinity, usually with all my rabbit snares and stuff. And sure enough, one day I just heard the clink. I was like, Oh geez. And the, I ran over to the bush on the far side of where that funnel was and just waited. I figured, Oh, he's going to be coming this way. if He's coming. And sure enough, he came marching along my fence. It, like, worked, it worked great. And, had like a quartering towards me 20 yard shot, maybe a little like 20, probably three yard shot. And I took it and the rest was history again. <laughs>
0: yeah. He, you, you followed him. He, he went for a while and, and he, he bet it up. Yeah.
1: But... So it was a, it was a quartering towards me shot and it was a pretty tough shot. I, as far as that goes. And I was a little, probably three or four inches farther to the right than I wanted to be. And it ended up just being a single long shot, but it, sunk the arrow all the way into the moose so it it didn't come out the other side it just buried itself in there and the moose took off and of course i waited an hour the longest hour ever and then then i uh started following it and i found some good bubbly blood it was all hopeful and then then as it sometimes does you know it just dried up and i couldn't find any more blood and i couldn't find and it was an old burn than some of the areas i had so there was the ground was really dry didn't leave any tracks and uh and you know i was like man if i lose this thing i'm gonna be so mad and i it was just one of those roller coaster up and down like every track you find you get all excited and then you lose (laughs) it. anyway finally i did what happened you know it's like i lost its tracks and its blood completely but I just figured ah, I was a pretty good hit. There was bubbly blood. That thing's not going to run uphill. So it's, I just followed the shoreline and the easy path of least resistance. And sure enough, came across them. It was about 500 yards he had ran or so. And uh he was bedded down up there and I just ducked down and waited it out. And that's where I got most of my internet hate it was for not going and finishing the moose off, but obviously people that hadn't bow hunted before, so
0: that's
1: okay. Oh, did uh,
0: you get a bunch of hate from that?
1: Yeah, a lot of people were mad because they were like, why didn't you go finish the moose off? How can you let it suffer for three hours? Because, you know, they showed the timeline on the, on the show, and I was like, oh. Yeah, good luck. Good luck sneaking up to it and finishing it off with one arrow. Like, (laughs) not not, not like you see on TV, but, yeah, anyway.
2: Yeah, I
0: think, not to shift gears from that, but obviously dealing, we work in the hunting community, and without getting myself into too much trouble, there are actually people that think meat grows on trees, um, you know, and nothing (laughs) dies when they buy meat. And uh, Frank and I have both received... um, a fairly large amount of hate probably a bit more oh, from sure. for me just because the the following's a little uh bigger so bigger, frank it's yeah. coming uh thank god it'll shift to you instead of me but i <laughs> I'm you know my general question is like hey are you uh are you are you vegan no and I'm like well you kill it with your paycheck then like what right. what's the like it's <laughs> What the hell? Like something died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I, I've come to find that fish and turkeys have no soul. That's okay to shoot those. <laughs> Nobody cares um, about that. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, kind of weird. Just because I was raised, you know, hunting and and we eat. I don't shit, Frank. What 400, 500 pounds of meat a year? Three hundred yeah. for sure. Um, I mean, that's what we have every night. So it, it seems like the world is pretty detached from reality as far as the how life works especially if you see what moose do to each other um fighting oh yeah and things like there's, that there's no
1: there's no gentle way to go in nature anyway right cuz every moose that gets old just gets eaten alive by wolves or you know it's i don't know yeah it's it's just kind of tough out there but you kind of when you live in the forest and this was very clear especially when i was with the natives in Siberia but you really feel that you're kind of just a part of the cycle of life in a way you know it's like and it's okay it's okay <laughs> it's you know we're all going to be there too we're all going to get old and suffer and die and whatever it's all a part of it but yeah and it's how it, you should be familiar we kind of yeah live in a san- sanitized society you huh? know where you just get all your meat in a cellophane packet and you don't have to think about it but that's the meat that i feel bad for it's uh, like, tortured pigs and stuff <laughs> but i don't live a very good life so yeah if you can take a animal in the wild it seems like a, a better option than some of the factory farm stuff so yeah i don't know but it's whatever fair enough it's i understand it's some of them are, they're cool animals like even the moose i missed i was i wasn't even that upset because i was just like no, that was just so awesome to see that close a giant moose like that that i you know Sure. Let them live. Let them go and live. <laughs> I'll try to get another one. You know, yeah. You know, like I, everybody that hunts also. Well, most people respect the animals too, and and you're just more connected with it because you're out there and you see them and you you know what the life is like and that's not quite like a Disney movie. But
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, it's for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. There's uh, a lot of misconceptions out there about it, but yeah, yeah, it
0: definitely is that so we we get a lot asked a lot on here just cuz we do a lot of of backpack hunts where you know mm-hmm. whatever 40 to 60 pounds on our back and then we go in for whatever 5 7 12 14 days um, mm-hmm. guys ask a lot about us doing a podcast on on mental toughness which is All not right. an easy podcast to do because yeah you know fr- frank is, is 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 does not have like the background i have but is as mentally tough as i am with without you know any like military training or anything like that, and we were born at different you know I'm how old am I Frank or how much
2: older? What I got thirteen, fourteen.
0: <laughs> I don't years? know how old are you.
2: How old are you? Thirty
0: one. Yeah, so I got like twelve years on Frank, so a little bit age demographic <laughs> and um yeah. I think you're kind of born with that, and then just experience gets it better. Like if you're yeah, the more trained you are, the the better you're gonna feel out there. But what like obviously you're a pretty mentally
1: tough, dude. Were you always like that? I'm sure. Tra- so I've been thinking about that a lot lately because like you, even, even just watching the show, you, I thought a lot about, huh, that's interesting. I like the mental aspect just never was really an issue for me at all. I hadn't even, almost hadn't even thought of it, you know, but then uh, for other people, it really is. So I've, I started to think about, well, what is, what makes that difference and what makes people resilient? And honestly, like just right up your alley there, I was thinking like, is that something you can teach or what? And, uh, I'm sure some people just naturally have a constitution that's, you know, built to be resilient. But I also think even people that aren't resilient can improve, right? So, so, uh, yeah, and I was thinking a lot about what, what is involved in that. I thought, what made it uh, what what made it easier for me out there? And I think there's a lot of things, but I wonder if, you know, Frank might be able to probably can relate to. But it's the one thing you don't want to have when you're out there for a long time, especially... Yeah, once you get in there months by yourself is a bunch of skeletons in your closet or like unfinished business because you start thinking really deeply about – a lot of random things in the past like you'll just think of everybody that you've ever met and the in the whole context around them and so if you have i think if you had a lot of issues in your past that you hadn't dealt with or ran away from i think those would really come back to bite you i, I can say
0: firsthand that i have way more of those issues than frank because i think i have made way more mistakes than frank <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah yeah i've I, I i just to to chime in when mm-hmm. I yeah, you know, I went through a a, a divorce, um, and mm-hmm. I love the hell out of my daughter, but I've yeah. brought this up before. When you're so low, um, everything you've ever done wrong in your life when you're by yourself is yeah. going to cross your mind. And yeah. You will call people when you get back and apologize or what, you know, there will be shit that goes (laughs) to your mind that never goes to your mind when you're going in to see a movie or when you're going to grab dinner.
1: You're so distracted from it. It's amazing what comes up, huh? Your your mind is a very
0: powerful and very weak thing. And so, (laughs) dude, I agree 100% because I have literally been fine on a Monday. Backpacked in Uh on a Wednesday, and on by Friday was a mental wreck. Like, (laughs) like people don't understand. I don't think they understand when you're that alone. That you know, in our case, people wait a year to and save up money and spend thousands of dollars to go on a solo backpack hunt. It's the new cool in hip thing to do, and they come out three days later because they've whatever that like, they've got mental issues or physically can't make it. And you're, you're actually teaching, you're going to be teaching schools to help people with this. So I I guess as we're talking about this, people might want to go see your school. Cause I've got to say like, it was impressive what you did on the show. And if you can teach anything about that, it's going to be beneficial. So I guess finish kind of what you're talking about and then talk about maybe you teaching people, you know, some of your craft.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that was, I've I've thought a lot about the whole resilience thing. And that's one aspect of it. I felt like, you know, there's like certain mental attitudes you can take. There's a lot of people that just say you need to have a positive mindset, but that's not really accurate. You kind of have to take on like a, what I do, what works for me is kind of to expect the worst. Like this is not going to go well and then come to terms with it. Like, that's okay that this is going to suck and not go well. And then anything that happens is kind of better than you were expecting. <laughs> so that's kind of like, you know, be, have a pessimistic optimism or something. I don't know how to describe it, but you, that, that helps. I think, I think just making sure your foundations are secure, like why you're doing what you do, all that kind of, I mean, yeah, being resilient starts way back. It's kind of, it's one of those things that'll touch the kind of foundation of who you are and can help you grow a lot and then i think just having either experience like you say being out in the woods a bunch or being in tough situations whatever they be or if you're particularly wise you can probably glean a lot of wisdom just by reading (laughs) and getting i I don't know when i was uh, when i was young i used to read all those like world war ii war memoirs and especially from the German side, because you just think, gosh, what a brutal thing to live through, and then realize you're fighting for this terrible cause. And then uh, I read, like, the Gulag Archipelago, which put into perspective all the suffering that I'd go through. And some of these, like...
0: That'll make uh, you shoot yourself, by the way. That is not required reading. <laughs> yeah, I read that. Jesus Christ, that's horrible.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I go know, ahead. it's horrible, and it just puts your life into perspective. You're like, oh, this isn't so bad, man. I just read a book about... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I wanted to shoot myself
0: after reading that. I was like, man, I'm a pussy. This
1: is good. God. Sounds like a good
2: book. Sounds <laughs> yeah, like a <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: Highly recommended. <laughs> I read one this summer that was like that called, what was it, Armenia Martyred or something about the Armenian Genocide. And it was, I just, I almost had to go home from work because I got all depressed. Right? <laughs> like, geez. Anyway, then you can't complain when you're just you know, out on a hunt and having a hard time or whatever it is, it just puts your own suffering into perspective. So there's a pretty ho- like holistic approach to trying to become a more resilient person. Uh, and yeah, at the, uh, it, this summer, I plan on doing some survival courses, uh, in the wilderness in Idaho, you know, ride horseback in and get dropped off deep in the wilderness and kind of just have a good time. It doesn't have to be, it's not going to be like super hardcore, but it can be as as tough as people want it to be. you try to provide our own food, and uh, I'm going to try to just impart as much knowledge and wisdom as I can, of course, on the, you know, on the, like, trapping and little survival tricks front and building shelters and all that. But also, yeah, I think it's very important. I think a lot of people underestimate the whole mental aspect of it. So that would be a fun thing, you know, on those evenings and such to talk about. And uh, so, yeah, you should – I think it would be – Really cool. You should join me a few. sounds interesting, but I think it'll be really fun.
0: Where they where can they ask? I guess your your Instagram
2: so,
1: page. Uh, yeah, the, the the website for the little survival school still getting perfected, but it should be done in the next week or two. And yeah, if you follow me on Instagram or on Facebook, uh, on Instagram my tag is hobo jordo, and on Facebook it's Jordan Jonas Alone, and I'll put up updates when it when it does get finalized, and it yeah, I think it'll be pretty cool. I just did, I just got back from a teaching a survival course uh, with these guys called Lure of the North in Ontario in Northern Ontario, and it was people you know it was really good. I think it was a really good time. I think people really valued it. So,
0: what do you think? Well, we'll go through the roundtable here because uh, I've done it long enough now where I don't really think about you know going back too much i mean if i'm bored and we're Mm -hmm. scouting i'm like fuck this let's go back but i mean when you're when you're back there you volunteered to go hunt so going back early doesn't really you know it's like yeah mm, yeah yeah, unless it just makes sense to move spots but frank when you're back there do you think about coming back or do you are you just like yep i'm here and it doesn't cross your
2: mind no not usually Uh, yeah i mean Oh. Yeah, yeah. oh, sorry. Frank's first. Sorry, oh, Jordan. Oh, yeah. Got you, got you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for me, <laughs> yeah, not, go not, for it. not usually, like you're saying, you're kind of out there doing it. It's for fun. So it's it's uh, something you waited all year for. And if you're yeah. goal, goal-oriented, which I think a lot of us are, then you don't like to go back without accomplishing your goal, whether that be killing the animal or spending all the time that you have for the hunt to, to stay there. So no, not really. I don't ever consider going back, and usually we're in there quite a, quite a distance, so I don't feel like coming all the way out for a day, and then coming all the way back in, it seems like a lot of wasted energy, so, I usually have, it's I uh, have come out 10 miles for Copenhagen yeah, before, by the way, but yeah, yeah go ahead. Usually, <laughs> for, for me, it's either, it's either the hunt's over, or you're out of food, and uh, you have to go back, so, um, yeah, norm- normally, no, I, I don't, I try not to, to even consider that as an option. And Jordan, I'm assuming
0: obviously you like it well enough, like you're not psyching yourself out saying, okay, I got to come home early just from what I've seen. But I mean, you truly enjoy being out there. I'm, 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 I'm from the outside. looking oh, yeah.
1: in. Yeah. I, I mean, on, on the show specifically, I, I, I did have a good time the whole time. Honestly, if they would have, with my wife game at the end, I kind of wish they would have given me the option to stay, stay another couple weeks or whatever. It was, uh, it's great. And the same when I, uh, you know, in Russia and stuff, it's like, I'll go over there for oftentimes, you know, at least months at a time. And yeah, it, it just is what it is. You, you, it, everything has hard times and it's good times, but you kind of go through it. I never, I've never left early necessarily. Although I guess if you, I mean, at one point out there, I've, I've been injured a couple times pretty badly in, in like remote places in Siberia and Probably would have been smart to leave, but I <laughs> ended just sit there in the teepee for a few days, heal slowly, and then get back to it. But it's okay. I mean, I guess whatever. If somebody needs to leave early for whatever reason, I don't blame them.
0: I personally hope everyone leaves early, so it's just Frank and I out there <laughs> hunting. But
2: <laughs> you,
0: I I try to you know tell people like as far as staying which is crazy that you've spent thousands of dollars and bought a tag and you're thinking about coming out early, but people do. And so I always try to like, hey, like the books you were talking about. Like I I obviously also read Mountain Man books, a lot of like Jedediah Smith and Jim Bridger and Hugh Glass. And it always could be worse. And the moment you get back, you're going to be thinking I should be going, you know, the moment you get back in town and eat a cheeseburger, you're going to be regret coming back.
1: (laughs) Uh That's so true. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. You you know, goodest the analogy, but yeah, it's like when you're out there, it was the same on alone. It just never seriously crossed my mind to quit because it's like, well, you know that you're gonna get back. You know, you'll really wish you were back, but then you'll walk in the door and be like, hey, I'm back. How was it? And they'll be like, oh, fine. You know, not much has changed. It's been a couple months. You know, (laughs) no big deal. And then you'll tell them a couple stories, and then it'll be like you never left. And you'll be like, oh man, I wish I could go back out there now. You know, let them well fed and warm and all that. So. Try, yeah, keeping that perspective <laughs> is definitely important, but that probably comes with experience. Huh? Cause
0: yeah, I mean, I, I just think some people are made for it, some aren't, and the ones that aren't maybe do it for, like some of your people that come to your class, they just may want to do it because the zombie apocalypse, the cr- coronavirus, they just want to be equipped to handle right. themselves, and other people want to just go out and live in the woods, and they want to be better trained at at, at doing mm-hmm. so. and. I, I think that, um, which is one of the reasons it's super cool, both you having you and Frank on here on is, I you know, you guys just genuinely, I mean, I do too, but leaving me out of it, if mm-hmm. you're out there and you're not having fun, then stop going out there. Go hunt by the road. <laughs> go, you know, go day hike. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Y- there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're truly wanting to be out there, like, I think that, Getting learning land navigation, survival, field craft, like bettering yourself yeah. so you're more comfortable while you're there is the, the key to success. The more comfortable you are, the better it's going to be. But if you're out there yeah. every day, like ticking, like a ticking time bomb, fucking come out and go, go by the road. Like you don't have to yeah. stay.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes pushing yourself through those moments is good, but yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't have to. is it yeah, totally
0: the pushing thing i 100% agree with but if it is a mental and moral drain from the day you get there to the day you leave yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally, you totally. probably don't
0: belong out there but yeah as far as like that mental hump which could be in my case missing an animal and you really need to talk yourself oh, off yeah. the ledge like that is what you need to push through but i don't know like frank we were back there just give you an example not last year but the year before i think we were back there what 12 days and had to come out and then go back in cause I suck as a hunter and I couldn't shoot one. I didn't have, I wasn't, I had fun the entire time. Never had. I, I mean, there was times where I suck and win climbing up the mountain, but field craft, which not to keep pushing guys to go to, to Jordan's class, but we're never in jeopardy or in harm's way. We're having fun the entire time, right? Like we've brought mm. good food and when we backpack in the summer, we fish. So we're eating the fish that we catch. And, yeah Yeah. watching and i encourage everybody to watch the 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 arctic you were constantly building your future meaning you didn't build a castle but i mean you constantly were thinking of the future of to better yourself while you were there there you know yeah
1: you have to be like proactive and not reactive you know like if something bad happens you can't just like oh that sucked you know like man this is lame you kind of have to think okay so what happened and what can i do to give myself another chance and and make it go differently next time. Yeah, you just have to keep thinking about your future. You're right, yeah. Well,
0: like I definitely would not have been as good a mood when the Wolverine ate your fat because you were like, <laughs> oh, bummer. Well, whatever, and I'm thinking, oh, that, there would have been a lot more four-letter words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> but, yeah, you just were like, all right, well, this happened, this is what I'm going to do, and then and moved on. And I think a lot of people have trouble – instead of being a Debbie Downer like you know moving to the brighter side of things and just focusing on what you have in front of you and what you can do and you seem Mm -hmm. to be very good at
1: that yeah 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 that's uh yeah part I maybe part of what I was talking about earlier just I'd already probably expected the worst and so you kind of everything that was happening was only positive (laughs) and so like being grateful for what you have is something to really work on yeah anyway like it's hard to be too mad when the thing steals your fat even though of course you could be but uh they still have a lot of moose here. It's still okay. You know, like, whatever. Yeah, positive All perspective. Mental, yeah, Yeah. just having a positive perspective, but not not hoping. Like, you You wouldn't want to tell yourself that I'm going to win for sure in, like, you know, in two weeks. Because <laughs> then you're just going to be let down. So you got to just put yourself in the right mental positions to, like... Yeah, to handle whatever comes your way. And, that's yeah, that's a trick. That's a learned skill. I'll definitely, if anyone, if anyone wants to come on that course, that'll be a fun thing to talk about and try to flush out, you know. What
0: would, what would you say are, like, let's say the pr- three primary things you need to learn out of the gate, like uh, as far as like self-sustainable in the, in the wilderness, what are the first three things you'd
1: want to learn? Mm. Well, of course, there's the classic, like, you know, fire, water, shelter thing but uh in most places some of those are going to be taken care of either it's not going to be so brutally cold that you need a shelter right away or there's going to be a river right there and so what do you need to take care of i mean (laughs) i guess it depends on your situation but again for me it was slap up a shelter and go after food you know like just learn your land learn where you're at learn the behavior of the animals and such and then see what see what you're area has to offer so get it uh having an i'll be i guess the the best three word answer to your question would be uh like ingenuity like adaptability and resilience are the three like words that i thought about as being like key to you know when i'm in the wilderness like you know your ingenuity comes when you're coming up with your plans and and making new plans out there and uh adaptability of course because nothing's ever going to go as you think it might and you got to change your approaches and be flexible, not be too like concrete on what you think is going to happen out there. And then the resilience of just going through what, whatever comes <laughs> with a positive mindset and not getting torn down by the hard, you know, tough times. So I think those three words, if you flesh those out, which we could be a long conversation would be, would kind of encapsulate what I feel like the keys to doing well in the wilderness would entail. Yeah. You no, I... know, like, I, that's yeah, kind of what have. I
0: was looking for because common sense dictates, you know, you you got to you 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 can starve to death in two to three weeks, and you'll die dehydration in two to three days. So you got to yeah. have water. But right,
1: that's a little obvious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, you know,
0: but but to kind of coincide with what you said, you have to be able to adapt, and uh, and, and mm-hmm. you may need to like building a fire you may not have the best wood it may be wet you you know those are all the things yeah. where you know if you're building a fire and you get one built you may want to haul ass and pile all the wet wood around the fire to dry it out right, things right. that a lot of people exactly. don't sometimes think about you know so those yep. you got to be pretty crafty you know on those type of things and that's where the obvious yeah you got to build a shelter but even then you may not have the best situation. So you have to be able to adapt with what you've got. And well,
1: you you'll always find when you build your shelter that something's not right with it. You know, it's not drafting well and it's smoky or it's, or, you know, there's too much wind blowing through it or whatever it be, you know, and then you got to think of solutions and uh, yeah, always that the interplay between those three being adaptable, being ingenious and being resilient kind of is just what you play off when you're out there. Right. That's that, yeah.
0: I, I would say for hunters, especially the resilient part is after a miss or a blown stock,
1: Oh yeah, you
0: can really get down on yourself and being able to take a black eye, move on, kind of take what you'll, you know, learn from whatever just happened and keep going. Otherwise... I don't know how much money the state of Colorado receives from people that
1: leave early from a hunt, but it's a <laughs> it's donations.
0: A, yeah, they donate.
1: Well like, yeah, if I would have missed that first moose and then just got all down on myself, I would have just ended. But uh i missed the moose and then I you know, and then you see where it went and then think of like, Oh, maybe like next time a moose comes I should do this and this to prepare myself better, you know, and yeah, you gotta doing. You know, that's crazy. Yeah, it is wild that people pay that much for those big hunts and then don't, you know, get down and out and don't follow through. That's crazy. Yeah, it, yeah. How would you,
0: Frank, I mean, what do you, it's probably, it's gotta be a 50% attrition ratio for how many people come out early. I, uh-huh. I, would, I would, I would think, I don't know, Frank, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I think uh probably a lot of people bite off more than they can chew. They think sometimes you got to work up to those super long trips. Yeah.
1: But. And maybe people just bit off more than they can chew, like you say, and you got to like, Start again next year, but don't get so crazy, you know? Be okay with not being the best and <laughs> take your time.
0: I was chatting with uh, Blaine Swanson last night, and he's he said he was coming out for 10 to 12 days on a backpack uh, hunt, and it's his first one. And see, Frank's chuckling just like I was. I was like, dude, do five and five. Like 12 days is a tall task. Even 10 days, like split it in half because you're going to learn so much on your first five to six days. You're probably yeah. gonna drop half the shit out of your pack on your next five to six days because you didn't <laughs> need it. And not nothing against. Uh, I blame. I mean, just it's his first hunt and and your oh, first. Absolutely, you got you have a lot to learn, right? Yeah. Ba- baby steps, yeah. And and again, like going through some of the different courses and learning things, whether it be from a buddy or a course like you offer, you're gonna pick up. Like the first backpack hunt I did, I probably had a hundred pounds of shit in my bag, and probably yeah. fifty pounds of that I didn't need. And then, yeah. like, what the hell am I bringing soap for? Like, I don't care if I stink, you know, like, things like that. And and, and then food, like, you're bringing way the too more much you, or way too little.
1: The more you know, the less you carry, as they say.
0: Yeah, I mean, your higher level of field craft you have, the less crap mm-hmm. you bring. I mean, our, what kills us is optics and camera gear. That's what crushes oh, us. Oh yeah. heavy. But, I little. mean, if you, you could probably go pretty much anywhere in the world and be fine with a basic amount of information, meaning... The weather, the lo- the length of stay, you know, uh, mm-hmm. things like that, and that's the that's that's where you want to get to. You want to be able to handle anything at any time, anywhere, with the skills that you have. And obviously, you seem like you were built for the Arctic. I personally, I fucking hate the cold
2: passionately. <laughs> that that oh man,
0: it makes you
1: feel so alive though. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <on>. <laughs> well, how cold was it getting up there?
1: uh well you know they never told us the temperatures i don't so i actually don't know i think it was like negative 25 celsius at times but you know like it it, it was never cold interestingly enough again it goes back to being able to provide food and stuff but i I actually only put my parka on on literally the last day i was there so i had been warm enough with my under layers all the way up until day 77 and then I put my jacket on to go out and like ice fish and stuff. So, uh, or my fur coat. But the uh, in you know in Siberia it would get down to negative fifty, what seven or something Fahrenheit. So it was like negative fifty did your, Celsius. Did your pee so. freeze coming out? God, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know I tried it, and it's not, it's not quite as. Maybe Scott I was standing a little taller. Or something. <laughs> but I was, I was a little disappointed. I was, <laughs> I was hoping it would. Uh, all the stories that it would, but it'll freeze immediately on the ground and you can make a little pile on the ground.
2: <laughs> little designs. Well, not quite. In, yeah. yeah.
1: Not quite in midair. Like I was hoping.
0: <laughs> no kidding. I, I was going to ask
1: you, where'd you meet your wife? Uh, oh, randomly. We met in Toronto at a wedding. She's uh she, well, she was born in Japan, but she's, uh, from grew up in New York city. So she's, she's diversified her, uh, experiences quite well from growing up in new york city to living in wintering in siberia with nomads yeah i was
0: wondering because i'm like she must be an angel to hang out with your ass traveling all over so <laughs> totally
1: she's missing it she's all she wants to go back so good for her
0: oh wow, that's <laughs> no that that's cool are you up in canada quite a bit then
1: no i want to go more but i mean it's such a cool place but no i'm not i you know, like I grew up in North Idaho, so it's just 90 miles south of Canada, but haven't spent a lot of time up there. I'd like to go more. Most of my time in the North was all in Russia.
0: And what, what kicked that off? Like the, the traveling over to Russia?
1: Oh, it kicked it off was years ago. There was a, I mean, it's a long story, but in short, I went over there to help this missionary guy build an orphanage. But then I, uh, he was an American guy and I didn't want to live with an american because i wanted to learn the language and all that faster so i he sent me to a neighboring village and i spent you know the better part of a year with this russian family and the guy that i lived with had been to prison together with a native nomadic like reindeer herding guy from the north and used to always tell me about him and finally i met him and he invited me to go up there and he was a fur trapper but he all his cousins are like nomads that live in the taiga. live off you know basically live off the land and live in teepees and he took me out to them dropped me off and i i really thought it was amazing i didn't even know people like that lived like that (laughs) so it was fascinating to me and i spent years going back it was a whole a whole like slew of experiences and stuff and knowledge gained there and that's basically why i knew it was possible to live in the arctic so i I knew it didn't have to be like a slow starvation. It could be, you know, you can thrive up there if you get the right, if you put the pieces together correctly.
2: <laughs>
1: so, Yeah, well,
0: I'd say you, yeah. you did a pretty pretty good job. Um, well, man, we're hitting pretty close to an hour here, so I want to make sure that people get give out your info again as far as uh, where people can take a look at, see the class, and then, you know, if you kind of have any final words, whether people are um, – you know, wanting to better their skills or if you have any advice for guys going on the show alone or trying, although that's like one in a million probably to get on (laughs) there. I can't believe they picked you. They had to have known that was unfair. Like, (laughs) they generally seem to pick guys that aren't, like, there usually seems to be one, like, what do you call that, a ringer? Like, you got one that's, far and above everyone else on every show and then you got five that you know just are they ain't going to make it for more than a week or so but
1: <laughs> i think they're i think they're they think they've been really looking for people that are skilled now i think the the uh they're looking for women too that know what they're doing so oh that one chick if you chick, are a woman and know what you're doing you should sign up maybe you'll get a chance <laughs> that, that one
0: lady you could tell man like i think any other show if she wasn't against you she would have been crushing dudes but the poor chick had to deal with you, and you you stomped her. But I, she did really well. Miriam, Mar- I think, or Mar- I can't remember. How to her. Uh,
1: Wo-nia. Wonia, Wonia, yeah, she did yeah. really well. Yeah, she impressed me for sure. I, uh, yeah, she's a tough lady for sure. Oh, it was it was it was pretty good epic. attitude. Yeah, watching yeah, yeah. her and you, where you're oh
2: well
0: the wolverine ate my fat or she's like oh the the fox ate my rabbit i would have been like oh, i'm gonna kill every fox when i get out of here like <laughs> constant good attitude like you know they, like you know like always like trying to be happy which is pretty i mean that's hard to
1: do but uh um, right yeah
0: but yeah where can where can people find you just one so more time obviously
1: find- on uh well on facebook my yeah name is jordan jonas dash alone and follow me there and then on instagram it's uh hobo jordo which is also hobo jordo on youtube which i put some stuff up i'm not real crazy on and real active on there but there are all my videos from when i used to live with the nomads which are pretty fascinating because uh i don't know i haven't seen anything else like it so if you want like a real you know it's not edited well or <laughs> it's a shot on my little camera but some cool footage and you can see how people lived live uh but uh yeah, so follow me there. I'll definitely be I, I just post up pictures of stuff I find interesting of you know, related to the wilderness and such and then also uh I'll post up all my updates on the class as it as it starts to develop. It'll probably be in July and August, depending on how many classes book. Uh yeah, in the in the for, in the Selkirk Forest in Idaho.
0: Gotcha. Well we'll definitely get the a link up to whatever we need to on this you know, this podcast and, uh, definitely I encourage everybody to go watch the, well, all of them, but the Arctic season was definitely my, my favorite. Um, mostly cause a large four legged animal died. Like I'm always right. like, why <laughs> didn't somebody go hunting, you know, or whatever? Like you, you actually, well, I get think a move.
1: one thing I think will be interesting is because I think next season it'll get crazy. I think more people will try like that really active, strategy of getting out there and trying to hunt now because just because now that somebody's gotten an animal it's going to be a lot harder to sit in your shelter and conserve calories when you're just like man somebody's probably eating a moose or you know <laughs> right now. So, so i think it'll be good for the show
0: yeah oh for for i would yeah. say for sure it, uh, it'll get it'll make things people look at a different outlook i guess on it so
1: right right oh anyway yeah
0: well, cool, man. Well, um, you know, I, let's try, wouldn't mind getting you back on again as, as more adventures, uh, or go over like how the survival class went later on or, or whatever, but man, I, yeah, I can't yeah. thank you enough for getting on here.
1: Yeah. I appreciate the invite. It's been super fun. There's lots to talk about. So yeah, we'll have to do it again.
0: Definitely. Definitely. So, all right. Well, everybody go to Jordan's class. Um, mostly, especially if you're going to leave on day three out of day 10 on a backpack hunt. He can probably help you stay longer. Just as long as it's not me and Frank's area, we're good. (laughs) Oh, Lord. All right, man. Thanks again. Take it easy. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Thanks, man.